Uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Magic Cast. Welcome to episode 131. I'm your host, Scott Munro. With me tonight on this Friday evening, I've got James. How are we? Fine, thank you. James, we've got a lot to talk about and we're going to try and do it in a, a short, sharp episode. We will be reviewing last night's dramatic draw slash victory over the Dutch side Vitesse Arnhem, which meant we got to the quarterfinals of the Conference League. Where we'll be playing a familiar foe from this season. Uh, we'll be recapping the Conference League draw. And also we'll be talking about some game on Sunday evening in Rome. I think it's a, I think it's a big game, isn't it, James? It's only the bloody Derby della Capitale. Roma versus Lazio. Roma looking for revenge after 3-2 loss in September. Lazio looking for a fifth win in seven to uh, push Juventus for fourth place. But... James, should we start with last night? Roma won, Vitesse Arnhem won, Maximilian Vitek with one of the goals of the season uh, to open the scoring with a lovely first-time cross-hit uh, volley from about 25-30 yards. Uh, not cross-volley, he hit across the ball and it whistled past Marie Patricia and then Tammy Abraham, bang on 90 minutes. I think it was 89-59 when he scored. After a wonderful cross from Stefan Asherah, we found Rick Carstel put a back post and then pandemonium in front of the curve of Sud. Oh, bloody hell, Roma do it again with a late goal, James. They're messing with us. I think I even need a, a, a shrink again, counselling or a cardiologist after Roma put me through the last four to five weeks with all these late goals. Um, how did you feel after the game? Because it wasn't one of Roma's best performance of the season I think it was probably one probably the one of the worst it was deplorable actually it really yeah it's quite bad dreadful um and I think you can almost quite early on in these games you can um get a feeling for how things are going to go and it was evident from very early on that we were going to struggle to put them under pressure I mean um uh, you know, looking at the tie overall, I think we're fortunate to qualify because the chance, the better chances they had them, particularly in the first leg, when, if, if anything, the pitch in the first leg possibly decided the tie because if that goal had been scored that went over the crossbar, um, you know, the, the whole tie could have taken a different dynamic. And, yes, um, for, for, yeah. And uh, they had another good chance, actually, in the second half that on a counter-attack that they put with a tame shot that went wide of the goal um, of uh, the far post of uh, Rui Patricio. If that had gone in, that would have been 2-1 down on aggregate. I'm, I think it would have been extremely difficult to have um, turned things around then. And we would have, even with Abraham's goal, it would have only brought us extra time. Hmm. Um, the, the, the major problems in yesterday's performance were... Um, not not coordinated pressing, so we found it very very difficult to um, recover possession, to win the ball high up the pitch, um, giving us a chance to you know create quick attacks close to goal. Um, m- most of the time, they were able to bring the ball about you know e- inside our half, virtually unchallenged. Um, we played, so I think you could say the team was set up to play very two in my opinion, far too conservatively. <laughs> and um, that made it very difficult because then when we won possession, we had a long way to go to their penalty area. So it became quite difficult to um, penetrate them. Um, and uh, so I think, uh, you know, and it now transpires by the sound of it, that uh, by the look of it, that Pellegrini was playing while he was ill because apparently he, he he might not play in the derby. So that no, he's got explain, fever. Yeah. Yes, that might explain why he he had a poor performance. Um, of course, he wasn't alone. And uh, and Abraham proved... Uh, there are other themes here that, that are coming up week after week. Abraham proved that given the opportunities, he will score goals. Mm. Our struggles in attack are certainly not his fault. And... Um, on the goal, I would say El Shawari did add 
you know, a different dimension to the attack. And as well as that excellent cross, you have to give credit to Karlsdorf. Oh, of course, yeah. So made a blindside run that that outside the vision of the defender that surprised the defender and was able to then, um, you know, provide the assist for Tammy Abraham. But, um, and I think Karlsdorp showed that, you know, I'm quite surprised at some of the criticism he gets because I think he's, he's very much a complete modern fullback. He's good technically, very good athletically. Um, uh, okay. Some people might say consistency, but you know, uh, um, He's still got time to maybe develop his consistency, but I think he's um he's crossing I think his crossing's good, you know. And um he uh uh he's got very mobile and agile, is is um strong. So I think in Rick Castle we have a real um uh gem of a right back and um I think he's gonna own that position going forward. I, I certainly hope so. But overall, yes, the performance was Far too conservative, and and it wasn't a surprise when they scored. Um, and really, their goalkeeper didn't. You know, he wasn't called on to make. No, he wasn't. If you think about it, he wasn't called on to make that many saves. So, and against a team like that, I think people as well need to know that the value of their team and squad compared to ours is is far and okay. Football's not the sport where always the biggest and the strongest and the richest win. We know that, but. But nevertheless, I think the way we played, allowing them to take the initiative, certainly at least in the first half, I think they they had the lion's share of possession, and um, were you could say necessarily controlled the game, but um, they certainly dictated the game. You know, I think it was played more on their terms than ours. And if if our philosophy on our approach was to play defensively I think it was a mistaken approach I think we should play much more on the front foot and try to get the goal that would have you know really disheartened them they would have been looking at trying to recover two goals to force extra time so I think the approach was mistaken and that ultimately led to the difficulties and a very you know when you think about it it was a very scoring a goal you're saying virtually on the 90th minute mm. to win that tie over 3 hours was um i think we were we were talking before the tie started that we thought there's probably at least two goals difference between the two squads and it ended up being you know way for one, just just yeah. one goal yeah. barest the margin stuff exactly it was uh, so, James, I completely agree with you. It was like the the gap between the midfield and the attack was quite high. I didn't think it would be that high, and it was like, I would you call it negative tactics, negative setup, because it was quite demoralising to watch that a team trying to defend a one goal lead almost for sixty odd minutes, and it they didn't really create anything going forward. It took Vitex goal and a couple of substitutions to change the game. When Al Sharari and Castle came on, Al Sharari was outstanding. He actually ran at Data, the um, Israeli right back for um, Vitex Arnhem. That didn't really happen in the first 60 odd minutes. No one really ran at their defense. They had so much control of the possession. They played with a back three or back five. They play with a Richley Bazaar. He's an, a midfielder who can play as a number ten, as one of their centre backs, trying to bring out the ball from a, from the defence. And they actually played really, really well. I was really impressed with Vitesse. They don't look like a side who's six in the Eredivisie who could get caught by um, FC Twenty or in seventh. But it, at times this season, I've struggled to watch Roma at times. But it just takes. I think maybe a never say die attitude that we've got in the last couple of weeks where was it a 99th minute winner against Spezia, um, a late goal against Sassuolo, um, another late goal against Udinese and another late goal yesterday. I think is it eight late goals in the last couple of weeks? I think since January, uh, including the one against Hellas Verona. It's just mad. And if the goal against Genoa didn't get chalked off it could have been another goal with Zaniolo scored I think is it a never say die attitude or is it just Jose switching up things trying to cover up his mistakes from the first 60 minutes yeah I think there's undoubtedly an input from substitutions Mm. but 
I, I wouldn't read too much into it because I'm I, those sort of things are not really sustainable. Keep oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Things, um, but nevertheless, you know, they are happening. So what you know, you have to say compliments for it. But to be in that position in the first place, I think is um, to be set in such a desperate position. And with the teams, some of the teams you've named there, you know, Vitesse Arnhem, Sassuolo, Udinese. Genoa, you know, these are teams that, you know, okay, you might have a disappointing result against one or two of them, but the, the amount of disappointing performances and results against teams that we should be beating, really, they belie the idea that mm. the squad isn't good enough because um, no one's asking f- to win uh, the league t- championship or, or, you know, um, or you know, no one was expecting necessarily to qualify for the Champions League, but to put up a fight for, you know, a top four finish, I think was a reasonable expectation given the quality. And it's not like you could see last night, the the, the team sheet we put out, I know there were a couple of players missing because of suspension, but the, 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 the team we put out should have been more than capable of of negotiating that game in a more controlled and, you know, uh, not so desperate way, you know. And um, and I think that was, yeah, I think it was overly cautious. And and that clearly creates problems for the attack <clears throat> because um, getting the ball through to the strikers in, in good, you know, goal-scoring positions um, with with enough regularity is, is really difficult. And... Um, uh, when you've got to cover so much ground to build an attack because you're recovering the ball from a relatively deep position, just makes the it's like makes a difficult task really difficult. And um, but you know, credit to the opposition, they do look a well coached team. Might not yeah. have the highest quality individuals, but they look well coached. And um, credit to them as well. So, but main thing. Quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. Yeah, that was the main thing. I do. I do think they have a, a few good players. I was impressed with a Panda again. He looks a very lively player up front. Um, Tromstadt in midfield looked very good and looked very comfortable on the ball. Richie Bazor, I've been really impressed with him in the years that I've watched him when he was at Ajax. I think he went to Wolfsburg, then went to Porto. Um, he's out of contract in the summer, so I think quite a few clubs. Across Europe, will pick him up uh, on a free transfer. Um, don't ever sleep on the Eredivisie. It's a very good league to watch. There is some very good young players out in, in that league. I know it's always probably dominated by Ajax. But yeah, the, we will be talking about another team who b- could potentially face in the semi-finals in PSV because they they just they demolished Copenhagen in the uh, second leg yesterday in the Conference League and won eight four on aggregate. I think it could be a, a team to watch. Uh, James, we will go on to the the Conference League draw uh, that happened today. My oh my, uh, Roma faced Bodo Glimt. Yeah, it was bound to happen. I didn't want it to happen, but it was bound to happen. If Roma do get past Bodo Glimt, they face the winners of PSV versus Leicester. Uh, what were your thoughts on the draw? Um, initial reaction is that difficult because we know how Bodo Glimt are you know, a very well-coached team and uh, can create problems for us. Um, the sec- the re- Playing the return leg at the Olympico, hopefully will be an advantage. Um, the climatic conditions, I was thinking actually this afternoon, shouldn't be as severe in oh, the yes, yeah. first leg, although we still have to negotiate the artificial pitch in Norway. Um, uh, they will be... I mean, they play summer football, don't they? So is that March to November... I think so, yeah. So, I think Im- Imran was telling me that they... Uh, I will have a look on the league table. Yeah, it hasn't started yet. So the, the Norwegian league, the, uh, that hasn't started yet. Right, so they won't play that many games before we play them, league games, because there's going to be an international break next week. And then immediately after that, um, there's a league game and then for us. And then there's the uh, uh, first leg. So... They certainly wouldn't have played, but you know, com- much competitive football since the end of last season. However, that didn't stop them eliminating 
Celtic and Celtic as well. Comprehensive victory yeah. over Celtic in the uh, playoff round in last month. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, certainly it's a team we could be eliminated by. Definitely, whether whether we are or not is. Uh, I mean, we won't have any players suspended at least from the first leg because um, Mancini and uh, Oliveira will be back after their suspension. So um, I think, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, we, we'll have a better idea perhaps, you know, after the international break of uh, how we go into that first leg. Yeah, so they drew 2-2 away and out my yesterday uh, and won in extra time, uh, Pellegrino and Alphonse Hampstead. Sampstead scored in the 105th minute after Vangelis Pavlidis. Uh, I think he used to play for Willem Tue, scored twice for Azad Altmar. So Bodo Glimp went through, winning 4-3 on aggregate. Um, I think this could go either way. Um, I know Bodo Glimp have lost four players since the last time Roma played them. Uh, I think Patrick Berg was one of them. He went to Lons. I think one of the strikers has left. I think he left on a free chance for Imran, who knows a lot more about Norwegian football. And when he listens to this, will probably scream at it while listening, think, naming the players that they've lost. So, yeah, they are a very well-coached uh, team, a very well-run uh, club. Mm. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's one of the stories of this season that they've got this far. It is in a European competition. So they've got in, especially in the group that they had. So they had Roma, uh, CSK Sofia and Zoria Luhansk. They got through after, to be honest, they could have won the group um, if they didn't drop points against Zoria Luhansk on the last day of the the group's uh, stage on match day six. Roma won in Sofia and then Zoria drew one all against Bodo Glimt. And then um, they've beaten Celtic. They absolutely walloped Celtic in, in Glasgow and won 2-0 two, two on the return leg. They beat Altmar at home 2-1 and then drew 2-2 two, two yesterday in Altmar. He's had Altmar. They've got... It's just... Oh, God. I'm Part of me is dreading it and then part of me is looking forward to it because I think there is going to be some mental baggage going into that game because of what happened in Norway in November. Was it November or was it late October when they lost 6-1? over yeah. And it's interesting. They're almost, we're almost diametrically opposed. We've got higher-quality individuals. I think, you know, that's uh, uh, common knowledge. And they've got a better game plan. Hmm. And you uh, usually I tend to favour teams with a better game plan, but obviously that doesn't always uh, materialise. So um, it'll be quite a contrast in styles, you know. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, I, I, as you said, I do think the first leg being in Norway is telling um, and the second leg being at home. Just remember the 6-1. As I said, there's going to be some mental scarring and there's some mental baggage there after the, the last performances against them. Just remember, the, I think it was the overall aggregate was 8-3. And you do not want that in the quarterfinal of the Conference League. So it, I know it's a couple of weeks away. Uh, Roma have a game on Sunday and then the return after the two-week international break is away in Sampdoria, if I'm not mistaken. And then we go into the crazy four games in 10 days where it's Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, going into the uh, after the Napoli game, also after Easter. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. We're not going to do predictions so so far this this uh, so far. But overall, James, what did you think about the quarterfinal draw? There's some tasty ties overall, isn't there? There is, and of course, the semi-final would be against Leicester City. Le- or Leicester or PSV, yeah, PSV Eindhoven. So um, I wouldn't like to necessarily predict the winner of that, and and the the, the winner of uh, the game between Roma and Bodo Glimp will play their return leg of the semi-final at home. Yeah. Which is another point worth noting, you know, looking further ahead. Not necessarily, we haven't got Roma in the semi-final yet at all, but, um, you know, it's just something to think of uh, looking ahead. So I would say very open competition, you know. 
a bit like yeah. a bit like the Europa League and the Champions League. Oh, well, yeah, so yeah, both those tie, uh, both those draws were done today. So his final: Slavia Praha, uh, Marseille Pauk, uh, Leicester City PSV, and Bodo Glimt Roma. Uh, James, do you wanted to talk about coefficients? Coefficient well, rating. The, um, it's been we've had questions about in the about is it better to skip Europe if you can't qualify for the Champions League? Mm. Well, yeah, the other two competitions, but yeah. that would. Um, uh, that would basically impact our coefficient ranking. And Roma's currently on the UEFA club coefficient table. We're ranked 12th in the whole of Europe on the five-year ranking. And that determines seeding for things like when, when, when the draws are made. And in the 10-year ranking, and also going forward from 20, season 2024-25, 20, when the competitions will change the group stages of each of the three competitions will become a league stage and two of the there'll be 36 clubs in the champions league league stage you'll play 10 games instead of six against uh 10 of the other 35 clubs in the league stage and two of the extra places there's 32 clubs in the group stage at the moment so there'll be an increase of four clubs two of those extra places will be for clubs which have qualified for one of the competitions but haven't qualified for the league stage of the Champions League but are the highest two in the UEFA ranking, club ranking, five-year ranking. So if that rule had been in place this season, because we qualified for the Conference League, we would have been actually playing Champions League football this season. Wow. So... Although a lot of it's not very popular from what I can glean from among fans, and I understand that, and I don't like particularly like it. It's called the like the historical coefficient uh, mm. places, two places. If the rule exists, you might as well benefit from it, you know. So the fact we're so high in the ranking is obviously on the back of a Champions League semi final in 2018 and a Europa League semi final in 2021, and now this quarter final. Uh, in the Conference League. So, um, and then, um, you know, looking further ahead uh, uh, than that, there's also now, a few years ago, UEFA changed the rules regarding a portion of the money that is distributed from the competitions to clubs. So, um, to a 10 year ranking. So, they look back over the last, the ranking, the club ranking is based on results over the last 10 years with a portion, I think that's about a fifth, coming from your country's coefficient ranking. So that would be what um, the whole of Italy has, has earned. And that governs, where you are on that ranking will govern, if you're in the Champions League, 30% of the overall revenue you get, so a big chunk, is based on that ranking, and 15% in the Europa League and Conference League. So these are big chunks of the of the money you get. So when people suggest, you know, and think maybe, you know, you get an advantage with only playing once a week in principle by not playing in a European competition, if you can't play the Champions League, you've also got to think of these other things as well. Um, uh, so, and then, then there's also the issue of squad size. You know, when you play a Conference League or a Europa League campaign, your squad—it's easier to then transition into a Champions League squad size. Whereas, if you don't have that extra, you know, don't have the midweek matches, then you, your squad doesn't need to be as deep. So then, if you've managed to qualify for the Champions League next season, you've got an awful lot of work to do in the transfer market. <laughs> Uh, in that summer to, um, you know, if you like, bulk out your squad to increase the depth so that you can cope with playing, in principle, twice a week, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe three times in seven days. We were talking off uh, off pod, sorry, not off air, uh, about, like, the top of the, the five leagues and who's top and who's still in Europe. So uh, Liverpool, Man City and also Chelsea. They're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And Liverpool and Man City are first and second. And in Spain, you've got Ram Drider in quarterfinal of the Champions League. Seville got knocked out yesterday, the uh, the latter stages of, was it the last 16 
of the Europa League to West Ham. Barcelona are third who are in the court final of the Europa League. Atletico Madrid are in the who are fourth are in the court final of the Champions League. Batiste, Real Batiste got knocked out last night by Eintracht Frankfurt. You've got um, teams like PSG who got knocked out by Real Madrid. Bayern Munich, who are probably one of the best teams in Europe, are going to probably win the Bundesliga. Uh, they're still in Champions League. It's just, I do think it's a myth sometimes, and as what you said, if you've got a strong enough squad, you're going to do well on both formats. But I've seen clubs in Italy who've binned off European competition and absolutely fallen at the final hurdle trying to get into the Champions League places to finish in fourth, just like Napoli did last season. They binned it off, lost to Granada and lost on the final day of the season and drew one all against Hellas Verona and then Juventus won away in Bologna and got fourth place. So And they ended up back at square one because they're back in yeah, the league. And back also in some of those Italian clubs had squads that could have, you know, maybe won the Europa League. You know, mm. So um, it's a competition to win. And, of course, if you do win the Europa League, you the Champions League football. Exactly, for the uh, group stage of the Champions League. So as well as improve, you know, you get more money from the, the UEFA's distribution and you get more coefficient points. So, um, and, of course, you know, when it comes to negotiating sponsorships and things, you're in a stronger position. You have a bigger international, you know, the latter stages of the UEFA competitions aren't, get huge global TV audiences. So um, you're able to, you know, have a better, um, you know, more um, valuable brand. So um, uh, it's a pity because some of those clubs, I think, could have gone. And and the last time an Italian club won uh, outside a competition outside of the Champions League was actually in the last century. Palmer won the UEFA Cup, as it was called in those days. People remember that. Um, in 1999. So it's been a long time. It's long overdue that one of these competitions is won by uh, a Serie A club. Is that the same year Lazio won the Cup Winners' Cup? It was, yes. They won yeah. both those competitions, yeah. They won against finals against uh, uh, Villa Park, if memory serves me right. Real Mallorca, actually. Oh, Real Mallorca, that's it. Sorry, that's yeah. my apologies. Oh, I knew it was Villa Park. I just didn't... Yeah, because Parma were very good in the 90s. They were. On Excellent. winning Coppa Italia's UEFA Cup. The Italian sides did take the UEFA Cup seriously. They Inter did. won it. Yeah. It, was it into one in Moscow? Was it Moscow? Paris against Paris, Lazio. The previous Lazio, year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, apologies for getting all these wrong, but I do remember clubs were winning it. But I don't think Italian clubs take it seriously in the last few years. Like, if you see, I think club, they've started to change their attitude now. Yeah. I think, like that. The if you go back ten years, I think that was probably the low point where they did tend to field reserves or mm. young youth players and so on, but. I think the certainly since the Europa League started 10, 13 years ago, I think, or 12 years ago, I think they have started to take it, they do take it more seriously now. But I don't think, yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, but I just think some of those clubs that maybe, you know, if they're taking it a bit more, prioritised it a bit more, like you're giving examples of Napoli and so, you know, they could have, um, and at Atalanta, actually, this season, this season, re- you know, give it quite a bit of priority. Yeah, because uh, the two remaining clubs, Italian clubs in uh, European competition, is AS Roma and Atalanta, and they're both sixth and seventh in the Serie A standings. So it's going to be interesting to see. Atalanta have got Red, RB Leipzig. That is one of amazing tie to watch out in the, in the Europa League. But yeah, I think it's interesting to to see um, going forward. It's just how clubs prioritise Europe. Do they put all their eggs in one basket or do they try and get a, a, a manageable squad going forward and try and be more competitive on two fronts? Mm. And particularly from 20 season, I mean, they're already very lucrative, but and the Europa League's become a more exclusive competition, of course. Mm. Now it's only 32 clubs in the group stage, used to be 48, and that 16 have gone on to the, are now playing the conference. Conference, league, league, yeah. I mean, an extra 16. And uh, if you look actually also at the attendances, I mean, last night there was over 40,000 at the Olympico. So um, that's another thing. Economically, 
you, you, you know, if you think you pay with the with the um, group stage, um, which there will, will probably be more games in the league stage going forward, and the, there'll be bigger contracts, um, so bigger distributions from UEFA, it will be, you know, you, you do lose revenue as well if you um, are not playing in Europe, you know, so... Uh, yeah, it's an interesting topic. I think it's a topic we could probably talk a bit more far forward, uh, going a bit further forward in when the conference, uh, conference league and European football comes back into fruition in a couple of weeks. But James, should we talk about a big game happening on Sunday? And then we've got some listeners' questions to round out the podcast this evening. It's a Rome derby Sunday evening, five o'clock UK time, six o'clock local local kickoff time in Rome. Um, Rome are looking to bounce back after the Derby defeat in September. Um, I think they get unbeaten in eight Serie A games uh, since the three to uh, the three four defeat against Juventus. Lazio are looking for five wins out of seven. They've picked up thirteen points from the last eighteen, uh, and they've won two out of the last two against the bottom four sides. They beat Calari and Venezia in recent weeks. They've also beaten Fiorentina and Bologna, but also dropped points against Udinese. And they lost at home to Napoli in that crazy game the other week. I think me and you were watching also, James, and we talked about it on our WhatsApp group where Fabio Marie scored right at the end in an absolute crazy game that could have went either, either way. But how are you feeling going into the derby? There's some... Pessimism in us Roman fans. There's going to be a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. It's no ordinary derby. It's Jose's first home Rome derby. He lost the previous game three two against Mauricio Sarri's team, which Roma dominated and quite unlucky not to get anything out of. But how are you feeling going into this game? I would say let's see our favourites. I mean, looking. I know you pointed out on form wise. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The form. Definitely um, favours Lazio. Um, I don't necessarily agree with Mourinho when he said last night after the game that you know we had a game on Thursday night, three days before the derby, and Lazio players were at home having a cigarette with uh, <laughs> Maurizio Sarri. Um, you know, saying that basically they've had a longer time to prepare. I don't think that's very, very tongue-in-cheek isn't it it's very yeah. Jose Mourinho yeah oh yeah um I don't think that's necessarily uh going to be a, a decisive factor I think I'm more concerned about the form you know I mean you could say obviously we didn't play it we could have played extra could have been looking at e quite easily 30 minutes huh? of extra time yeah 120 minutes plus penalties last night yeah yeah indeed so um I don't think that, I mean, it might be a factor at some point, but I don't think it'll necessarily be decisive. Much more important for me is how well we play and and we just look completely out of form. So I make Lazio favourites for this particular derby. Yeah, I know Roma are unbeaten in eight, but the, what they've won, is it three and drawn five? If memory serves me right, so they've, Oh, sorry, they've beaten Empoli, beaten Spezia, beaten Atalanta, but drew with Udinese, Hellas Verona, Sassuolo. Um, if I said Udinese, I think there's one more team that's Genoa. So, yeah, it's not looking great. Um, I think they've also beaten someone else. Uh, my memory's not <laughs> trying to go back, but yeah. Lazio have looked very good in recent weeks, and that's my worry. Um, they've they've won four. I know they've beaten two at the the bottom four. Sorry, Calorie was the other yes, side. Calorie, that's right. Calorie, yes, yeah. one 0 yes. And yeah. Memory, memory's come back. Um, but yeah, it's. I think I do sort of agree that Lazio are tend to be favourites, but I think it's going to be too close to call. Um, right because they're so neck and neck with each other in, in the league table. The league table at the moment is ridiculous. You've got that top three gun, how forever. Then you've got Juventus just a little bit further away, but then you've got Lazio, Roma, Fiorentina and Atalanta all vying for a top five spot. And I think the gap is just three points between those four clubs. And it's Lazio are only one point ahead of Roma. So and it, like they're all clawing at each other. And I think it's, I think t- Sunday is going to be very, very tight. 
I'm very too close to call. I think Josie will set up in his pragmatic way. I think he is going to go set up, try to nullify that attack and try to nullify the playmakers in midfield. So you've got SMS and Malinkovic Savage, and you've got Lucas Lever, who likes to play as a, a single pivot in a 4 3 3. I think he's going to try and do a man marking job on Chiron Mobley and try and nullify the two wingers in Felipe Anderson and the returning Pedro. Um, I just think, as I said, it's going to be too close to call. I think it's going to be amazing. I think it's a sellout because 100% capacity has been confirmed recently. Um, so the Olympica will be bouncing on Sunday evening. And if anyone wants to watch the game, uh, I would urge to watch it. I, th- I spoke to my mate at football last week. I said, if you're not doing anything next Sunday, the, the, the Rome Derby's on on 4.45, 5pm kickoff UK time, I would urge to watch it because it's always a spectacle. But uh, for me, James, I think it might be too close to call. Uh, I'm going to sp- uh, pick the splinters out of my backside and might go for a draw. Yeah, I, I would take a draw right now. Yeah. I know that sounds a bit negative, but um, no. oh, cool. I think no. in the context of uh, uh, the form of both sides, uh, I would think a draw would be a um, a good result for us. Yeah, because as we were talking off air last on Monday, uh, Lazio are missing Matthias Akanyi, who picked up a booking uh, and he's missing due to suspension. He got booked for diving as a... Uh, He's, I think he's picked up the, the the number of bookings you do get suspended. Is it five in Italy? I know it's different in Italian football to yeah. over here in the UK. Is it five for a, a one-match yeah. ban? Yeah. Yeah, I know it used to be different. Um, but yeah, for Roma, uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, as we just said earlier, that uh, is missing. Could potentially miss the game on Sunday due to fever. Henry Mkhitaryan is back, so is Marash Kambula. I hope he doesn't drop Marash Kambula and sticks with him at centre-back because he's been absolutely brilliant in recent months. And Mkhitaryan has just proven his quality with his uh, direct play running in from a deeper position. But yeah, uh, Sunday is going to be tense. Um, I, I can't wait. And I'm looking forward to watching the game on Sunday with my... With my uh, behind my... Uh, just with nerves as I always do when watching Roman, just thinking what the hell is going on with my head in my hands, uh-huh. watching, <laughs> watching behind my fingers as I, as I was thinking what the hell is going on. But um, James, we've got some listeners questions also. Uh, we did say this is going to be a short pod and we've almost gone almost 40 minutes. So uh, I've got some questions. I've got five questions for you. Um, for, as I sent out a tweet at 11.02 this morning, um, so we've got five questions, and this is actually to talk about what we said earlier. Uh, Florenzi's hair, aka Grazi Totti, nine to one, aka Teo. Um, how much do we hate the Conference League, and how much better would it life be if it didn't exist? No, uh, I reject that completely. Uh, I, I think the other way. It gives more players across Europe the chance. The whole idea was to give more players the chance to play European. Uh, club competition competition football. give them experience yeah exactly playing against different um, players from different countries you see that it's also made the Europa League a more exclusive competition and the Conference League itself has proven as we're you were looking through the lineup there of the quarterfinal draw you know um, and potential semi-finals some uh, quite juicy ties you know and by no me and it's a very unpredictable a bit like the Europa League the more one thing I really adore about Thursday night football in a week of European club football is on Thursday nights the games there's a greater diversity of teams involved and the games are are probably a bit less predictable in the Champions League Mm. I mean the Champions League in recent years we've had sort of familiar faces in the latter stages where the other competitions we've had um, you know I think a greater diversity of teams and um and you know we're even looking at um clubs from different countries you know potentially winning a, a european competition so i look upon it in the other way that it's been a positive development for you football in europe generally i think it's what we were talking about earlier i think this is maybe the mindset of fans binning off a, a winnable competition um 
just look at the Champions League. It, it gets very predictable after such and such years. You could probably tell 15 out of the 16 teams that will qualify for the latter stages of the, of the Champions League. There's always probably one team that you don't think that will qualify that does. So it, the Champions League gets very predictable. And as you said, Europa League is probably the, league, uh, the the European competition to watch this season because you've got some fallen giants in that and you've got some teams like West Ham who are absolutely loving it and playing some wonderful football and beating some teams that, that they knocked out Sevilla. Sevilla is second in La Liga and are the team who wins the Europa League. They won it, was it four times? And there are they're a team who sets sets themselves up to win a European competition. As you said, James, like who were the last Italian team to win the a European competition? Well, we have to go back twelve years to Inter in the Inter Champions when the Champions League. No, and, uh, and um, also you look at the crowds, the attendances. Mm. The London Stadium was packed out last night. Sold 60,000, yeah. yeah. There were 40, over 40,000 in Rotterdam for um, the uh, Europe Conference League game that final played. I forget the, their opponents, but... Um, Is it Lask? Lask, I think, yeah. And um, there was over 40,000 at the Olympico. I mean, there's an appetite for European club football at the highest level. So... Um, I think on all counts, you know, and of course, financially, the financial, even for the conference, I think there's too great an imbalance between the, the too much money goes to the Champions League and the other competitions uh, don't get their fair share, in my opinion. But nevertheless, um, they're still lucrative, you know, uh, competitions, um, particularly if you go all the way, you know, you get... Uh, we would have played home games because remember we played the game against Fenerbahce in August. Trabzonspor, sorry, Trabzonspor. Yeah, Trabzonspor. <laughs> sorry, thanks for that. So we've played um, five home games already. You know, so um, and well, we will play six, and potentially Touchwood seven, seven. So um, uh, that's seven extra games, and uh, yeah, so. Um, I think they're positive rather than negative. I agree. I know it's the, the mindset of some fans. There's nothing to be ashamed, nothing to scoff at. I know some fans of some other teams in other leagues like to bin off European competition because they can want to concentrate more on the league. But you, this is a winnable competition. Like the standard of quality of the sides in this, the latter stages are, are outstanding. You've got what two Dutch teams, French team, Greek, Italian. Um, a Norwegian side, and oh my god, my mind's going to go blank. <laughs> English, yeah, Leicester. Apologies, Leicester City fans. Um, but yeah, um, it's I reckon that this the latter stages of the Europa League and the Conference League are going to be really interesting to watch. Um, Samuel Fear uh, forever at forever AS Roma. Uh, this is a very good question. Um, I think we could do an absolute podcast at the end of the season about this. Uh, please talk about the lack of improvement this season, or can you guys identify any improvements? No, overall, no. And I think some of the players have regressed. Yes, completely agree. No, I, do, uh, I, do, I, do, I do say that um, Tammy Abraham has been an improvement this season. I know it's his first season in Rome. Um, Rick Karsdorp, as we were talking about this season, last season he had a wonderful season. I think he was one of Roma's better players. Mm. I do feel that Chris Morland has improved a lot this season after his injuries last yeah, season. Yeah, I think that's partly to do with fitness, though. That fitness, he's yeah. This season, last season in particular, but the last two seasons, he really struggled uh, to get any sort of consistency in in terms of being on the pitch, you know, and training. So, um, uh, but overall, no, no I, I think from a... Uh, it, you know, the last two performances in particular, particularly that performance at Udine, was um, very alarming, you know. Uh, yeah. And and we really do need a morale boost. I think everybody needs that from the players to the fans to the uh, coaching team um, on Sunday, you know, so we mm. go into the break. In I don't think it's going to happen, but I think we, so we go into the break in a more positive frame of mind. Yeah, can I just add Henrik Mkhitaryan to the, the improvements? 
this, this season. I think he's been one of Roma's best players, along with Kumbula, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2022. Both have been outstanding. Um, along with Stefan Alcherari, who's come off the bench and played a, in, a, in a left wing-back role, I don't think he's adapt, uh, like acclimatised, played in that position before, but I think he's adapted really, really well to it. But yeah, there is improvements, but there's a lot of players who have regressed so badly this season, it's painful to watch, and I don't think they'll be at the club for next season. Um, uh, Mr. Um, Dash, no, Dash 9, a.k.a. Broomfield underscore boy, now that the Conference League draw has been made, getting Bodo again, we have to fancy our chances, right? They've embarrassed us first time, but they too rode their luck getting through. Re- revenge time? Question mark? Um, we talked about the draw. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's revenge is on the question. I think in our fans' eyes that revenge is on on the question, uh, on the horizon. But yeah, how do you feel about that, James? I prefer not to focus too much on revenge and treat it like a fresh time yeah. because the dynamic is different it is in or out home and away uh three hours of football it's not uh with potential for half an hour extra and who knows but um you know it's not in the context of the group with other teams involved so um and the time of year will and and the situation with uh Bodo, where they were coming towards the end of their league season <clears throat> when we played them in the group stage, now playing them in the knockout stage, they're just about to get underway with their season. Although they've played, obviously, and performed very well in the first, you know, in the playoff round and the last 16 of the Conference League. So, and their squad's changed a bit, and ours has changed not quite so much, perhaps. So, um,. Yeah, I would say all to play for at the moment. And uh, I think um, maybe we'll all be better placed to make a perhaps a more accurate assessment when after the break and after we've played against Sampdoria and we hmm. see where we stand. So, yeah. so if we've got any injuries after the uh, international break, of course, it's, it's bound to happen. But yeah, sorry for saying that. Very, this international break, unless you're playing a friendly, is going to be very intense with the yes, because you've got the world, well, you've got the playoff games. Um, yeah, sad, sadly, the Scotland Ukraine game is off, and Scotland got uh, are doing something very good to raise some funds for Ukraine. They're playing Poland, so that'd be interesting to watch. And then Italy have got yeah intense games in the uh, in the in the playoffs. Uh, uh, Araplanino, um, looking to the summer, who is in? Who is, in your opinion, is the core of the team to build around? Um, I think it's, it's got to be it's got to be Tammy Abraham, isn't it? It is, but I would say also uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini because I think yeah. if you cast your mind back to the start of the season when he was playing really well, and it was a mystery to many people that in that first qualifier, World Cup qualifier at the start of the season, he was brought on in the 90th minute against Bulgaria, the game that proved to be really costly for Italy because only drew that game at home. Um, and he was like, in a, he was in his best form maybe ever at that point. If you remember, particularly the, the, the league game immediately before against Salernitana when he played you know, fantastically well. And um, uh, so I would say Pellegrini, and I think he's quite inspirational. I'm a big Pellegrini fan, but I think he's also quite an inspiration. And I think he gets on very well with Abraham, certainly on the pitch and seemingly off it. So Tammy Abraham, definitely. And I would say Lorenzo Pellegrini as well. Um, I think there'd be, I would expect to be there, there'd be our A-listers next season mm. Mm. Um, and um, you know so we, we do have some players who are moving now into a more prime time in their careers Gianluca Mancini um, players like that Rick Karlsdorp so um, I, I don't really have too many issues with the squad maybe I might might be in the minority of the opinion there I don't know but it's more the way they're deployed that um, I've had the problem with this season. I think it has been the root cause of the struggles this season and maybe prevented us from achieving what we 
you know, uh, the, the set out. Yeah, the objectives we set out for. Yeah, agreed. Uh, final questions from Roman near you, aka near Mahoz. Uh, if, I, if I said that wrong, uh, this, the latter part of your Twitter handle, I apologise. Sorry. Um, how many transfer windows till we get that CDM? We never, we've needed. Sorry, since DDR left. <laughs> Hopefully, this summer transfer window. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine so. Yes, definitely. Yeah. This summer, yeah. I think if uh, I think that's probably the higher on the uh, the wish list is uh, as essential as defensive midfielder. Even even with playing with the three five two going forward, uh, if you have that central def- defensive midfielder occupying and do a screening rob in front of the back three, or if Jose decides to go to a four two three one or four three three, get that defensive midfielder in. Uh, there is players out there. I know there's a few players that have been talked about. Um, there's probably quite a few players who are out of contract. So, yeah, I think that's going to be high on the wish list, maybe along with a, a couple of w- a wing-backs and uh, a couple of midfielders. But that's the uh, the last of the questions. Thank you very much to the people who replied and asked some questions. I hope the, uh, we've answered them perfectly for you. Um, James, I think that's pretty much the end of the podcast. Um, we got, we did say half an hour. We've almost gone 15 minutes. But um, um, thank you very much for joining me on this Friday evening. Um, guys, you can find us on themagicast.com. You can find all our previous podcasts on the, the, the website. You can find all of our podcasts on all the podcast platforms. Um, so your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, SoundCloud, etc., etc., etc. James, once again, brilliant have having you on, on on this Friday evening to talk about Paris Roma. We almost went fifty five minutes, almost an hour, uh, talking about Conference League coefficients, Champions League draws, etc., uh, etc. Et Thank you very much for joining me on this Friday evening. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure, and um, we probably have a, a a review pod mainly probably on Monday after the Derby della Capitale. We might be jumping for joy or drowning our sorrows uh, <laughs> either way it'd be uh, something to uh, to talk about after the uh, the game on Sunday we're also potentially this could be in the in the in the pipeline could be talking about some seasons past during the international break that hasn't that uh, has gone on in, in the previous decade. I really want to talk about 2004-2005. I think Imran and a few others want to talk about some other seasons. And hopefully we could talk about that during the international break. But yeah, um, thank you for joining me and James on this Friday. I hope it's not been too long of a, a podcast to, uh, to listen to when you listen to this on this Saturday afternoon, doing your... Just on maybe a gentle stroll walking out the dog or doing your chores on a, on a Saturday afternoon. But once again, thank you for joining us. Enjoy your weekend and ciao.